0: Welcome to the Locate 852 Podcast, bringing you insights on how you can build and scale your business with social platforms. Hosted by the leading Facebook ad strategist in Hong Kong, entrepreneur, branding expert, and the founder of Locate 852, Chris Chung.
1: I'm not sure about you, but I've always enjoyed meeting people that came from humble beginnings to then succeeding. There's always so many lessons to be learned from conversations with such individuals. Joining us this week is Nick Peterson. Co founder of Mastery Mode. Nick is a purebred entrepreneur that started his own gym at the age of 21 and a nutrition company shortly afterwards. After selling both companies, he then went on starting another venture that coached people on how to successfully operate a gym and nutrition company. Just within four months, Nick was able to take that new venture from zero to then be making $1.2 million per month. Having understood that is one thing to operate a six figure company. But a whole other thing to operate and scale it to seven, eight, or nine figures, he then co-founded Mastery Mode and created the system that is now known as Velocity Method to help entrepreneurs scale their businesses without burning out. Nick shares with us how he went from spending half of his life homeless to then be able to attain financial freedom and operate multiple successful companies, why he overdelivers delivers on customer service, what the Velocity Method is, how does it work, who is it for, what the MED and MRV is, and why you should be applying this to your life and business. How do you balance between maxing out and burning out, the mindfulness technique that he constantly uses to improve himself, and much more. If you guys are curious as to how I'm able to help businesses scale and grow on-demand leads using Facebook advertising, then go to locate852.com ultimate ad template. To download my ultimate ad template that outlines everything you need to know step-by-step in order to create highly converting Facebook ads, starting today. As for now, let's get right into the show. Nick, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Um, and I mean, like before we dive into Velocity Method and, and just share with me some stories of young Nick, what was your upbringing like and how did you get into entrepreneurship?
2: You know, um, young Nick was poor. And I spent probably, that's not what I'm more open about now, I spent probably, what am I, I'm 29. I still spent over half of my life homeless, so there's a lot of, uh, and when when that's when that's your life, it just kind of how it is. It doesn't seem like not stressful or sad. It's just what it is. Um, and I was fortunate that I was good at sports, and I got into a, a, a private, like a really nice private Catholic school that was, you know, 20, 25 grand a year or something, and I went for free to play sports. Um, and I a horrible student. You know, like I didn't go to school half the time. I had problems at home, stuff like that. And uh, anyway, sophomore year in high school, this is really where like the trajectory of my life changed because I was just kind of a slacker, like trying to stay live for the first, you know, 15 years. Um, I started dating a girl, right? Right, right. And like first girl, I was like, oh, I really like this person. And uh, she broke up with me because I was smaller than her, like I was lighter than her. Because I was like, I was like, you know, 120 pounds in high school or something, right? Right, and that's the first time I was like, Well, that's a freaking problem, and I'm gonna solve it. And I just like hit the weights every I just hit the weight room like two, three, four hours a day, Mm. you know, like I gotta eat better. And I just it's the first time I really dove in and like hyper focused on solving a problem, and it was so empowering. I was like, I was gaining weight, I you know, I like the way I look better. And it was uh, the next year, my junior year in high school. And at this point, I have like a 1.6 GPA, right? I was like, well, this is a problem too. What happens if I focus on this? And I just dove all into academics and like just crushed it. And then so coming out of high school, right? Like my senior year in high school, I came to this discovery that, you know, we're all told set your mind to something and whatever, Uh, but really experience and like internalize this, like if I have a problem and it's a real problem. I can figure it out, right? And that's really where, like, going into college and, and ever since, it's it's my journey has been a process of figuring out my own freaking problems. And then when I figure them out, I love sharing what I've I've discovered, right? Mm. And so uh, that that's really – college was rough for me. I actually didn't. I, I was there for a year. Um, it You know, typical entrepreneur. Like, now I'm not going to class at 7 a.m. I got better stuff to do. Uh, but I, it's just been this journey of figuring things out. So – I figured out the the fitness thing and I opened the gym. And then I got hell bent on this nutrition stuff and I opened a nutrition company and I've sold both since. Um, And then I I opened a company that showed other people how to open a gym and a nutrition company, right? Mm -hmm. And that went from zero to 1.2 million a month in like four months. And that's when I was like, I have no idea how to manage a business, right? And so that was the next problem that I wanted to solve. And I've, I've, that's just, I've been on that for three or four years now. Like, how do you actually run a business uh, and scale without wanting to burn it down? And so that's, uh, to answer your question, I was a slacker most of my life because I'm still, you know, I'm only 29. So like up to 16 years old is still half my life. And then I, I just at one point realized, like, there's not a problem that I cannot figure out for myself. If, if I'm focused on it and I just go all in, and that's been my life since then has been a series of what is the problem? Because I think a lot of people are like trying to force this growth. You know, like, I want to grow, I want to learn stuff, and they're not even figuring out like what's the barrier they need to remove to do it. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Ever since I was probably about 15, I've just been like, what is the one thing holding me back? How do I solve it? And so with the nutrition company you started and and the gym that you started, did you have um, success right out of the gate or like how did you figure figure that out without um, any prior experience?
2: This is the best part uh, because a number of people, I'm 29 and I get a lot of
1: people that are like, wow, the success you've had at
2: your age and yada, 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 it happened so fast people come and they're like, I want, show me how you did what you did, you know? And my response is usually, you don't want to do it that way. Because I opened my gym when I was on my 21st birthday in Florida, South Florida. It's really hot, really humid. It was in a warehouse. And I still hadn't figured out business. I still haven't figured out uh, communication, persuasion. Like, I just thought if I lifted weights, other people would want to lift weights with me. So I slept in the gym, either on the floor or Outside because the warehouse got so hot, I would sleep like half in, half out of the bay door and just hope that like nobody robbed me or stabbed me or anything. Um, or I slept in the bathroom when it was cold because the bathroom was insulated until I was 24. So I spent three years sleeping wow. on a cement floor in a warehouse in southern Florida. Um, and it's because I was hell bent at the time at becoming the best trainer. Right. Like making money was not a thing. It would just be the best trainer. That's what I was optimizing for. And, uh, I, I went, I, I did really, really well in strength sports. So I was, I was one of the top five 220 power lifters. Um, and what that means is I've torn both pecs, I've torn both hamstrings, you know? Um, and after my last major injury, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was 25 at the time and I couldn't walk, you know? And so I said, okay, well, if I can't be really, really strong, um, uh, what can I do and it was like I don't want to live in this freaking warehouse anymore like I just this sucks right it was worth it to live in a gym because I thought I was gonna be the strongest man in the world and I don't know why I cared about that but I did uh, so I said well I better figure out how to like market and sell and you know serve people in a way that they want to give me more than 20 bucks a month and uh, that was the next thing man I just doubled down on how do I market how do I position this uh, I actually moved to a more affluent area and completely, uh, it's called Vero Beach. And I told somebody I want to move to Vero Beach and open, move my gym there. And it was one of my members who, like, loved us to death. She said, you know what? Don't move to Vero Beach. You're going to get eaten alive there. Because, you know, I'm like this homeless kid with bedhead, and like, I just work out all day. And it's like a super affluent Stepford Wife type community. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, watch. And... Uh, I moved, moved my gym about 20 minutes, 20 minutes north into Vero Beach. Completely remade myself. I like got a haircut. You know, bought some decent clothes and uh, started over and just doubled down on how do you market, how do you sell, how do you serve, how do I get the whole family involved, you know, how do I keep them as clients forever. Uh, but that was a. It was about a four and a half year process before it was profitable. So it was not. It was not a success out of the gate. Um, it looks like it because you could look at like boom this new kid shows up in Vero Beach and in a year his gym did a million dollars overnight success uh, but it was it was three and a half years
1: sleeping on the floor you know so what else were you doing during this uh, three and a half years to, to to make it through man I would sleep on the floor I
2: would I had clients and like looking back I don't want anybody to know that I was living in the gym looking back I think everybody knew I think it's pretty obvious um, and it was a matter of like I would just sit all day because I didn't have a car or anything. And I would get people. I had like three or four clients that were affluent, and they just you know they supported me for whatever reason. And they would uh, they would prepay a couple months in advance, knowing that I needed cash. And uh, I would spend my days uh, walking over to like Dunkin' Donuts. I had this old laptop. I'd walk over to Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's or you know whichever was closer or felt like an easier walk at the time and use their Wi-Fi to, uh, to just try to figure out. Like at one point it was like, how do I become a better trainer? How do I get stronger? How do I, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then it was like, how do I make money? And so I would sit in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot so often that like people would call the police because like I'm just sitting there, you know? And they would roll up and they would recognize me and be like, oh, it's just Nick, it's cool. Like he's not loitering, it's just, it's that kid again. Um, and I would get five bucks here, six bucks there. I would walk to the dollar store and go back to have food. You know, they have candy and a freezer aisle and all that stuff. And I would go, I would do the math. I would be, okay, I got six bucks, right? How many calories can I get for six bucks? Like, you know, I'd, I'd buy half and half and drink half and half. I would get like eggs, whatever, you know, they have frozen burritos, whatever I could get because like, I might not eat tomorrow. And so it was just this, it really was just like train people, uh, try to pretend like I don't live here. And when I have an opportunity get food, it was three years of that. It was there. There wasn't much. I had a business partner at one point. Uh, he actually he owns the gym still. I sold him the gym, and he would come. Uh, he would just swing by with like a big trash bag and take all my clothes, take them home, wash them, and bring them back to the gym. You know. But that 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 was three years, man. It was just three years of um, just trying to get by, but super optimistic. I don't ever remember being like down or depressed or. It was just kind of what it was. And uh, the the biggest skill I think I developed was the relational stuff. Like when you train people, there's two huge advantages to being completely homeless with nothing to do, right? Um, One, I had nothing else to do. So my customer service was through the roof. Like maybe 10 o'clock at night, I had people that were like, uh, i wish you know they'd post on facebook or something like i wish the gym was open my family is so frustrating on thanksgiving i shoot a message like hey you know what come to the gym i'll meet you there because i was always there anyway right and so customer service was through the roof i was always available and uh i really had no choice because no no internet i wanted to walk you know half a mile um no movies no cable i didn't really have a choice but like either read or sit with myself and like if you've ever Anybody listening, I assume you have entrepreneurs and like entrepreneurs, especially, you know how hard it is to when you have this personality type to just sit with yourself and it's, uh, it's a powerful thing. So now, now you get a lot of people that are like, how are you so like chill all the time? Like nothing upsets you. Like, you know, I'm not super anxious and stressed out all the time. Like every other entrepreneur on the planet. And it's, I... I had three or four years in my life I had no choice but to just sit with myself and uh, I think those were two huge advantages honestly
1: and so during that time when you were just um sitting by yourself, were you kind of were your thoughts at like how how do I make this work quickly how should i I gain more knowledge how should I improve this like what was going on in your mind
2: I'm a hyper focused uh, and this is how this is what our company is built on now actually is removing the limit. So I wish I could say that I was I was thinking you know far ahead and playing the long game. Um, I try to be cognizant of that now, but at the time it was like, okay, I want to be the strongest human in the world. What's preventing me from doing that? And that's all I would think about all day. And then i got to the point where like I, I literally was like crippled at 25. I said, okay, that's not gonna happen. The next thing was like, I need a house, I need a car, I need food, like, you know, I would like to, like, nobody's going to date me because I live in a gym. So what's the limit to that? Right now, it's I don't know how to make money, and consistently, and that just became the focal point all day long. It was anything I could get my hands on. I got a book called uh, Go-Givers Sell More. I don't remember how I stumbled upon it, um, but I remember reading that, and that was the, it was, the, the, the premise is like, just serve people just serve people and if you don't know what to do serve more people and that just became my focus for i mean up until like up until i sold the gym the only thing was like how can i serve these people and i would obsess like for days 10 hours at a time i'd sit in the gym weekends we were closed right and i would sit there for 10 hours twiddling my thumbs thinking about how can i better serve and the fact that i didn't have a lot of money i didn't have a staff uh we got really, really creative. The ways we serve people, we can't buy them stuff, you know, gifts for being members. And so we got creative and we just made it really about uh, time and attention. And um, I, I, I just spent so much time like, how can I over deliver? Like, I know that Dr. McCain, Mark McCain is one of our, one of our legendary clients, right? <clears throat> in the sense that he referred us so many people. I know he's gonna be here at noon. How can I be ready if he walks in at 11.55 to impress, right? Every single time, how can I make sure that he finishes on a good note, and what can we do so that this becomes a place where, when the workout's done, he still wants to hang out? Like it becomes a third place, and we do that, that. That's all I was thinking about for three years. It's just how how can I provide a better experience for these people,
1: and so. Once you, once the gym starts to kick off, um, how soon after that did you um, start the nutrition company and, and what was, what's the timeline with um, all the other companies afterwards? Oh man, it's
2: like almost scary fast, uh, but a lot of them were like, <clears throat> so the nutrition company I launched with Dr. Trevor Kashi, good friend of mine, but we, we had a relationship for like three years at that point and he just got his PhD and in metabolic chemistry and I was like, dude, can you help me? And I had a gym full of people. At this point, I was growing the gym, like this whole community. Um, it's like a community of really high-achieving type A doctors, lawyers, like, right? And they're all on these crazy diets. They're always trying to optimize everything. And I was like, uh, Trevor, can you help me? Because I'm really strong, uh, but I'm kind of fat. And I own a gym. And I want to look good, you know? And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. I actually have this theory Cause he's a scientist and he started doing my nutrition for me and it's cool. Cause like I would eat cereal and ice cream and whatever, just measured and managed and stuff like that. And it was probably six or eight weeks in when everybody in the like freaking town, cause they're all clients were like, what are you doing? You look great. Your face looks great. I see you eating ice cream. Like how can you eat bagels? And like, this doesn't make any sense. And I was like, well, if I get my, my PhD buddy to come to a seminar, would you be interested? And then he agreed to come fly to Florida and do a seminar if I could get a couple people, right? So I'm, he, I said, how many? He said, I need get 12 people and I'll be there. So I put out a sheet that was like, all right, uh, the right, Dr. Kashi. And at this point, like, I don't even know if people believed he existed because he's just this guy I kept talking about, right? So everybody wanted to meet this Dr. Kashi guy because I was eating whatever I wanted and I was looking better. And uh, That day, 12 people signed up and paid. So I opened another session, 12 more people signed up and paid. So I opened another session and we had, I think we had four sessions with 12 people each.
1: And what kind of pricing were you doing back then?
2: Oh, just a hundred bucks ahead. Okay, It was literally just like to cover Trevor's travel, right? Cause we, like the whole high ticket, like none of that even was in my world yet. A hundred bucks ahead, uh, Dr. Akashi will show you how he's doing, what, what he's doing for me. And uh, so we filled out all these rooms and like everybody wanted to work with him. And I was just like, dude, let's uh um, let's just do this and so it happened pretty it was like an overnight like oh there's something here uh he finished he had to go over to russia azerbaijan to do nutrition and um, hydration and preparation for the 2016 olympics for uh for uh, azerbaijan the wrestling the wrestlers right um and so i opened the company while he was while he was overseas uh, it probably got 100 members like overnight and then uh When he moved back, we expanded to remote because it was all local at the time. Uh, We expanded to remote, and we got took a. We probably had four other employees all within two months, so it was a really quick. It was it was a long time in the making, but when we decided to do it, it was like it was. We were probably at twenty or thirty grand a month on month number three,
1: you know. And so, um, how long afterwards did you sell both of these companies? Oh man, I. What age were you at?
2: I wanna say I was 26, maybe 27. Um, it actually came down to, both companies were in Bureau Beach, and I had just sold all of my property in Bureau except for, uh, I was having a house built, a custom home for myself, because at this point we were doing well enough. And uh, I was living in one of my rentals, and somebody made an offer to buy my, the house I was living in for like 40% more than what I bought it for. And I was like, yeah, sure, done. So I came home and I told my girlfriend at the time and Trevor, Dr. Cashy was living with me while our houses were being built. I was like, guys, I just sold this house. (laughs) Sorry. Um, We got 14 days to figure out what to do. And right around that time, right around that time, um, somebody somebody asked me to partner with them in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And my house was like six months away from being finished, being built right in Vero. So I said, guys, I'm going to go to New Mexico. I'm going to help this guy build this business and then we'll figure it out from there. And, uh, it was really when I was leaving, like the day before I left, I sat down with my business partner at the gym and I was like, I'm I'm going to New Mexico. Um, you can have the gym, like we can work something out. So you own it or I can maintain ownership, but I'm not going to be super involved. It's just not my thing anymore. And so I sold the gym that day, which was like, you know, my, my business partner, Matt had like maybe 48 hours heads up that I was out. So that was that happened really really quickly Uh, the entire time i was in new mexico which was three months and then i moved to nashville tennessee we still had the nutrition company but it was it was not a main focus of mine at that point i was really more concerned on the the business coaching the um, developing systems operations and, and so the conversation was between me and dr cash we had one other partner what do we do and um they're there was a lot of work that had to be done because we'd all been moving. A lot of things, like there were a lot of loose ends that needed to be tied up. And the, the conversation was like, "I'm just not that interested in putting all that time and effort and, and energy into into this particular company right now because, frankly, it wasn't my baby. Right? It was it was Dr. Cash's intellectual property. He's the great coach. He's the face. Um, so he ended up uh, acquiring the entire thing."
1: And so is that when you, you then moved on to, to put together Velocity Method and, and at, at 26, 27? Yeah, I
2: spent about a year. Yeah, I spent about a year, maybe more, closer to six months when all was said and done, just kind of like reading, writing, taking naps all day. Um, cause the money wasn't really an issue. And I was I was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, really debating like the next thing I do is i want it to be permanent i don't want to keep like building stuff and then selling it or building stuff and burning it down so i spent about six months just reading writing talking to people exploring um what's going on and i decided the missing thing a lot of really great service providers that have or or People have great products. They're not great at marketing, and sales. But there's a lot of help, right? There's a lot of people teaching marketing. There's a lot of people teaching sales. There's a lot of methods and tactics and paid traffic platforms, all this stuff. That's supersaturated. I did not. I don't want. I did not want to do that. I did not want to teach people how to market and sell because uh, it's, it's it's hard. Like teaching somebody else how to market their own thing is difficult, but the people that were the most gifted, they could figure out how to market and sell pretty well because they help. Like all you have to do is like show people how gifted you are, and then they want to work with you, right? Uh, but they're on this hamster wheel because they don't know how to build systems, they don't know how to build operations. So most of them are so gifted that they can do everything, and they try to do everything. And a lot of people, some of all these masterminds and some of the most like incredible people with the best offers and that deliver the best service are thinking about quitting. You know, they're just like, this is too much. It's overwhelming. Um, I'm not making enough profit, yada, yada, yada. And it's not a marketing problem. It's not a sales problem. It's not a service problem. It's that they just don't know how to run a business. And so the conversation in my head was like, um, I got to connect with people that know how to run a business. So my, my business partner, And my mastermind has a $2.2 billion seafood company, right? Which is low margin, supply chain, inventory. Like, you know how to run a business. You know how to handle cash flow. You know how to build systems, operations, hire employees, right? Uh, My partner here at at Profit Layer, the the building I'm sitting in now, uh, sold HostGator for $300 million, right? Uh, So so it's business savvy. It's not necessarily marketing and sales and, like, strong copy. It's, okay, you got that stuff figured out how do we build this into something that is low stress, low anxiety, predictable, scalable? And so I was really diving in on like, how how do I teach this to people? Because I've done it myself. Um, I've leveraged myself out of companies that run themselves. But how do I teach this to people? And I stumbled across uh, my partner in the velocity method. His name is Dan. He's brilliant. He used to be a doctor. Um, he's super like system oriented. And he was going to do the same thing. And he called me and he's like, look, I heard you're looking at doing this. I kind of want to do this. Uh, I don't really want to compete with you because you have this thing where you just go out and talk to people. I don't have that. And so maybe we could work together. And I was like, that would be awesome because you're, he's the best. I'm always looking for like, who's the best in the world and can I learn from him? And Dan is probably the best like COO type I've ever met. And so it's. Like, yeah, of course, I'll partner with you. Let's do it. So we got together and we built this. Uh, we have his system, the way he thinks about systems. He's also a doctor, a medical doctor. And so like he's very familiar with complex systems because he, you know, he understands biology really well. And it's been <laughs> about a year now that we've just been not only how do we build this system, but how do we implement it and how do we get these people to actually do the things they need to do. Like a lot of people will sell a course or give direction and not give people the tools to actually do the thing, right? Uh, so we, we've just been hammering on that. That's been about a year now. Um, and it was, uh, it's was it been an evolution of, hey, you need systems and operations. Uh, nobody, entrepreneurs, visionaries, people like me, we don't like systems and operations. They're boring, they're not fun, they take a lot of time. You have to document everything. And so we've been building this, like, <clears throat> how do we make this not only effective, but in a way that people like me, like the vision, how do we keep this company moving forward really, really quick? to keep us ADD types involved and interested, right? Uh, but the biggest advantage, I'll tell you the biggest advantage, and, and why I'm, I'm super glad you asked about like the whole story, is the stuff I learned in fitness, which is essentially cognitive behavior therapy, not, not telling people what to do, not being right, is, that's easy, but getting people to actually change their behavior in a way that facilitates the things that they want. Uh, that's been the biggest advantage we have in business is that we don't just make a plan and, and tell you to execute it. We're, we're trying to figure out like, what is your unique disposition? What do you want out of life? Uh, and your staff too, right? Like, we can't just tell them what to do. We have to figure out what are they capable of? How do we speak to them? How do we get them to do this thing? And so the whole, the whole thing, like 99% of what makes me good at business came from the cognitive behavior therapy stuff we did with, uh, with nutrition.
1: And so, how, who is the ideal client for um, Velocity Method? Like, who do you typically work with? So, the Velocity Method is just a, uh, it's a framework that says, okay, let's just
2: remove same thing that we've discovered throughout our, our journey independently, Dan and I, is it's not about forcing growth. If you have to force growth, you probably have like an MLM or you're a scammer or like you know, you shouldn't have to force growth really. If you can help somebody, you just offer to help somebody. Like it's not that difficult, right? So first of all, it cannot be somebody that is currently like trying to go from zero to one or or just like pounding people to buy their product. And that means their product sucks. Um, but if that's not you, you've served some people, you've got five clients, 10 clients, 100 clients. <clears throat> you start to lose control of things. Uh, you start trying complicated stuff. So all we do in the velocity method is identify the limit to growth. What is the one thing right now like where are you where do you want to go great now what's the one thing that's preventing you not the hundred things you could do what is the one thing that is preventing you from taking the next step right so we identify that and then we get that person and their entire organization focused on removing that limit and then identifying the next one and so what happens is you, you never lose momentum right the problem with most like people they hit let's say seven figures sometimes it's high six sometimes it's multiple seven um for, in our experience, about three million a year is where people hit a wall because they're trying to do too much, and it's like they have their their foot on the gas and they're pushing harder and harder and harder. But somewhere they still have their foot on the brake, and all we have to do is take their foot off the brake, and they'll go to from three million to seven, right? And then there's another friction point, and you remove that, they will go from seven to twelve. Like so, anybody that has had business, no scammers, no you know weird MLM stuff. Um, but anybody that I would say has been on that trajectory for seven figures, maybe they didn't quite get there because they hit a wall, um, you could plug in the velocity method and immediately continue that trajectory. So it's really like <clears throat> we don't do zero to one. If you if you want to start your business, don't come to us. Um, if, if you like the way your business is right now, then you shouldn't hire anybody. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but anybody that's had momentum, and there's really two like, if you if you like where your business is at, but it's overwhelming, you perfect person, perfect ideal, or ideal client. There, uh, the best are people that are two or three, maybe four million a year, and they feel like if they make a push, they're going to lose control over, over everything. Right? Those those are the people that come in. They come in. I had somebody do, do three point seven five million a year, and he's about to do a million a month. So he's about to hit twelve million a year. Just because there's all this, there, there's so many things to do. And you only have a finite amount of time and energy. And all we have to do is focus that on the right thing. And it's like, it's the easiest thing ever. So anybody that has done over seven figures is a sure thing. Anybody that has has momentum currently. So even if you're not at seven figures, but you have momentum, uh, we could just, we just ensure you keep that momentum without losing your mind and, you know, getting overwhelmed and wanting to burn your business down and all that fun
1: stuff. And so when you take on a new client, what kind of process of working together do you guys go through? Do you guys um work it on work on it on a daily basis weekly basis monthly basis like what what kind of process how do you guys work together
2: so first of all we we have a pretty intensive screening it's not super intensive it's like talk to me for 45 minutes uh i disqualify a lot of people just sometimes they don't know what they want which makes it really hard for us to help but assuming that we onboard you there's an we have an intensive it's like 90 minutes to two hours where my coo goes in and just tears apart your business like this is the biggest friction point because people like, like us visionaries, especially when we're like, hey, life's good, L- laptop lifestyle. We don't actually want anybody to see under the hood because there's a lot of messy stuff, you know? Uh, that's the first thing we do. We go in and we find all the messy stuff because we just have to know. And then from that point forward, it's one-on-one weekly meetings with my CLO, And it's just like, spend about an hour, like, you know, we just one-on-one, like you and I are right now, and we will on video. And so we just comb through, okay, what's the limiting factor? Okay, we'll build the, the responsibility chart, the organizational chart, like all the basic business stuff that people do, P&L, all the stuff, that the business stuff that people don't have. And then we can identify the limiting factor. And then we just meet like this. We say, "Hey, what's the limiting factor? Okay, uh, yes, we agree. This is the limiting factor. What are the things that we can do uh, to, to remove it, to get over it? And then you run it through the filter. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to write a book. And our job is say, like, that's cool. Does that remove this particular limiting factor? No? Okay, then we're not doing it right now. Right. Um, so it's that hyper focus, and then we task out. Okay, hey, these are things that need to get done this week. This is who is going to do it on your team. Like you don't have to do everything. If you have a team. We'll help you build a team if you don't have one. Um, so maybe the task is build a team. This is this is how you do it. This is who is going to do it. This is the com- complete criteria. So it's kind of like uh, if, if you ever like people listening, if they ever tell their kids you can't go out till you clean your room, you realize that your kids have a different definition of clean than you do, right? And so it's stuff like that where we identify when is this complete let's have the whole entire both me my coo and the person responsible for the task have to agree on what the complete criteria is because we don't want it to get done half-assed and then spend another week doing it again right that's where people lose all the time and money is they have to do shit twice and then so we do that for about an hour right sometimes we have homework okay i'm gonna get you this 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 and this uh, and then you have homework as the business owner, you got to task this stuff out. You have to do this, make sure your employees do this. Uh, and then we meet up again next week, say, what you get done? Great. This is, I got my stuff done. Uh, what's next? And it's just a constant, like, line it up, knock it down, line it up, knock it down. Uh, the only difference is we built in a, a learning, what do we call it? We call it a, it's called the learning log in our, uh, in our system. But it's like, um, we task this out to, like, I task this out to Chris. And it didn't get done and in his in his daily reports he said that he has a hard time writing copy we didn't know that he had a hard time writing copy now we do so we can we can now restructure the tasks and the organizational stuff right and so you start learning a lot about your employees you start learning a lot about yourself you might realize that it takes you three hours to send up a zap in zapier but it takes this guy four minutes so from a productivity standpoint this guy should set up all the freaking zaps. It just it's more efficient for the business. And so we're we're always learning these things. And the company becomes more and more efficient, more and more profitable, more and more productive, and most importantly, the person that's in charge knows exactly what is going on. There's no when is this gonna be due? Uh, who's gonna do it? You know, I don't even know what Sally does. I just keep paying her. Like that happens a lot. We just clean all that up, man. Like, it's the difference between being stuck at three million and skyrocketing past 12. It's just those little things that us, us visionaries don't. We could do it, but that would not be our strength, right? We, we take ourselves out of our strength, which is like market and sell and, and do podcasts and connect with people. And, uh, it, it hurts our business if we try to do those things.
1: And so obviously the, the process that you go through is very much time content, time intensive as well. How many clients do you guys, do you guys work with on any given basis? Do you guys put a cap on it or is it, um, as many that qualify? As many that qualify,
2: um, in theory, because we, we build companies to scale, so we better be able to scale ourselves. Uh, we have a process, which we show other people how to do. We can pretty much, you take your best your best employee, and if they were agreeable, which they should be, or they should get fired, uh, we could almost clone them. Like we could build, like, I'd say, Chris, you made this decision. I would have made this one. Why did you make this one? And you, you start reasoning through. And we just start making decision-making trees where like we could plug in somebody and they would make almost the same decision. You would, right. Mm -hmm. And so I have a COO or Dan was my COO, my partner. Now, Brian is our COO. We just cloned Dan and Vita, Monica and Katya. Oh, and we just got Jacob. have all been clones of Brian and I'm, I'm, I used to be hesitant because like Dan is like a unicorn. So I used to sell Dan, like I'm gonna plug Dan in your business. And then Brian came on. I was a little bit nervous. I'm like, oh, Brian's not Dan. Plug Brian in and same thing. And then same thing with Vita. I'm like, well, Vita, there's no way she's going to be like Dan and Brian, right? And I started giving her clients. And I'm watching everything. And the feedback's coming back. And like, same results. So in theory, um, we have unlimited scale. And even with our capacity now, we would serve more people and make more money than we know what to do with. So, um, But the qualifier's tough because we... I don't think we'll ever have an issue with fulfillment or capacity because um, our buyer is a little more sophisticated, right? To understand that you need systems, operations, control, and you can't just market and sell all day long. It's a sophisticated buyer, so it's not like we get you know a hundred applications a day, like a biz op or something.
1: Talk to me a little bit about MED and MRV. I think this is another uh, this is
2: another uh, thing that I got from fitness actually. And this is exactly what the velocity method is built on. Um, Good, 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 good homework, by the way. Great job. Um, MED is minimum effective dose. Okay. All that means is, let's say I, what is the exercise is the easiest thing for me to use in this case? Minimum effective dose. How little exercise can I do without like my health going down the drain, right? So that's minimum effective dose. How little can I do and still at least not go backwards? Right. Um, MRV is maximum recoverable volume. So in this case, let's say I wanted to get really strong. How much could I possibly work out and still recover from, not burn out, right? Uh, those are the only two places I play. Anything in the middle is is just kind of wasted wasted time and energy because it's not enough to make a difference. And it's just not minimum, so it's just wasted time. And so the key is I'll use business and family and fitness, because those are all important things, right? You have to, you cannot improve all, you can't spend all day growing your business, all day with your family and all day working out, right? So at any given point, and this is what we do with the velocity method inside the business is uh, what is the thing that we need to focus on right now, right? And let's say in this case, I maybe maybe I my business is good, my family's good, I really got to get my health together. So then the question is how little time can I spend with my family without causing problems, minimum effective dose? How little time can I spend on my business without it exploding, minimum effective dose? How much time and energy can I put into my health without burning out? So what happens over this period of time, your family stays the same, your business stays the same, but your health improves. And then you can flip a switch and say, okay, my health is better, but I really got to start growing my business again. You can figure out the minimum effective dose to maintain your health, which is, it's not that much, like walk every day, you know? And... How much can I put into my business now without burning out? And your family stays on autopilot. and Then you switch it again and say, okay, hey, I really want to improve the relationship with my my kids and my wife. How little can I exercise? How little can I um, uh, focus on my business, right? And so what happens after, let's say a year, you've actually improved all three simultaneously. You didn't do it at the same time, right? But it's, it's identifying. If you try to do all of them right in the middle, nothing's going to improve, so you're not accomplishing anything. Um, and so this is what we do on on a, on a like holistic level like that. But then on your business, we could say, okay, what's our what's our limiting factor right now? Maybe it is f- f- fulfillment. Maybe I because we're so time intensive, I can't take on more clients. So minimum, we have to go maximum recovery. How much can we put into increasing our capacity without burning ourselves out, right? Which means marketing and sales. How little can we do without burning the company down, right? How little can we focus on this? And it's all it's just an undulation between the, the things we're focused on, we're trying to find the maximum recoverable volume. If you go beyond that, you burn out. So you gotta find like how many hours a day can I work, how many days in a row? Some some people go 15 hours a day, seven days a week. Some people go four hours a day, five days a week, and they're freaking toasted. Like you have to know that about yourself. And you can't I always say blast and dust, right? So the things I'm blasting, maximum recoverable volume, everything else in the dust. You can't blast everything at the same time, Um, but you can. So I tell people, you can have your cake and eat it too. It's not at the same time, right? So you maintain these things while you improve this thing, and you flip a switch, and you maintain this thing while you improve these things, and over time, everything is improving. It's just not at the same time, right? Um, And so we're always focused on, on that because if you burn out, nothing really matters. And if you build your business at the expense of your family if you lose your family then like what was the freaking point right so they're just undulation we call it undulation of stressors we're either all in on something or we're cruising we're never half half you know like moderate effort anywhere it's minimum effort or maximum effort and then we just the the thing that's most important at this time gets maximum effort and the thing that is most important changes over time right like maybe you get your business to 5 million and that's good. Like, great. Now you, it's it's much, much easier. This is a, a law. It's something I learned from biology. Much easier to maintain. Like if you lose 100 pounds, it's much easier to maintain that than it was to lose it. Right? So changing a complex system is very, very difficult. Maintaining it is very, very easy. So just identifying what am I changing? And then, boom, you put it on maintenance and you change something else. You put that on maintenance, you change something else. And as long as you build these systems and processes, the maintenance is really easy. It pretty much just runs itself.
1: And is it a fine line between maxing out and burning out? Or is it, is, how, do you, how do you typically work with people to, to gauge that and to kind of calibrate that over time?
2: It's built into the velocity method. It's part of that learning, right? That is. So we, we don't use time. Because if, if I say how long is this going to take you, we humans grossly, uh, they, they're horrible at estimating time. Like by a factor of two they'll be way off uh, so we chunk things into sizes right so this task might be a two it might be a six it might be a 14 because humans were pretty good at going is this small is this medium is this large or is this freaking enormous um and so we give things points right so if i give you this much work it might be 26 points and you finish it all and you come back and have a conversation and you're like oh, that wasn't bad I say, cool let's, let's give you 26 points again and again and again And measure how your performance is, how your energy is, right? Um, I could say, here's 26 points, which is this... It's just amount of stuff you got to get done this week. And you're kind of burnt out. We might say, okay, well, let's do it again. And then you just don't get it done because you ran out of time, energy, whatever. Now we've learned that Chris should not take 26 points a week. It's going to bury him. So where most companies, there's Agile, Scrum, Six Sigma. There's a lot of processes like this, but they don't account for... Like, I'm concerned about what you, what Chris can actually do every week consistently. I'm not trying to fit every employee into the same uh, amount of work. It's it's not, you know, somebody's going to burn out and some people are going to be bored. Uh, So there's this feedback where we're always, we know exactly how much of a load you took on and we can just watch your performance. And if you complete, let's say five weeks in a row, you do 26 points of work, right? You're like, guys, I'm still bored. I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Well, then we know we you know, all right. Let's we twenty nine. Then wait a couple of weeks. Okay, well, thirty two. And so we find that point, um, but it's based on real world data because we all think we can take on everything this week. Um, and so you know, there, there, there's a learning component where we're like, hey man, why uh why did you get this done? So, well, you know, it, it wasn't. It was just my dog got sick and I missed three days. And okay, that's fine. And the next week you don't get it done again. And, well, my girlfriend. And it doesn't matter if it's life stuff. The fact of the matter is you're still not getting 26 points done and we adjust accordingly. Whereas most people will just keep piling it on and what happens is it becomes acceptable in the company to not hit your target. And so what we do is we rather adjust the target down and build a culture of reaching the goal, right? And so that, that it's, it's at first it's fairly arbitrary because I don't know anything about you. So we're just going to say, can you take on this much work? Can you do this? Can you do this? But after about after four weeks... We know how much you can take before your performance starts to dip down. And then we just adjust that. And then there's times where, you know, like there's parts of the business that might go on autopilot, which means you help somewhere else or you just get a chill and go on vacation or something. It's just, it's just a matter of like, it's just measure, manage, adapt. Measure, manage, adapt. And do our best to get the plan to match the actual behavior. Because most people have a plan and don't do it and they but but they so most people have a plan like i'm gonna eat six meals a day seven days a week salad and chicken right they don't follow the plan birthday parties holidays whatever right but then they progress on paper the next week as if they actually followed the plan but they didn't so we don't adjust based on the assumption you followed the plan we adjust based on what you actually did in real life and what happens is they start showing up in the data when you're burning out and then we just we just adjust accordingly and, and um, there, there's nothing worse for a company than any of its its top performers to burning out. I we rather play it safe and um, run the, um, the twenty mile march. Right, like if you can do twenty six points every week for the next year, we are going to make a lot of money. So there's no reason to push and, and try to test those boundaries necessarily, because the it, it's consistency is what is what makes
1: companies great. And so one of the most common practice of a lot of high performers and, and highly successful people is that they typically practice some sort of mindfulness practice. Do you practice, do you personally practice any type of mindfulness meditation to help you operate at the highest level?
2: Yes, but I don't meditate. Um, I am much more of a stoic in philosophy and just fits my personality. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are, but the big difference is meditation, and mind, a lot of mindfulness stuff is like set aside time. To reflect, and you know, uh, I've built it in, and this is this is very much the Stoic philosophy. Is um, I don't have to set aside time. You know, I don't sit in a room quietly. I don't. There's times where like before bed, where I will just sit there and breathe, and but um, I've made it a habit while I'm driving, while I'm working out, after I have a conversation to reflect on what has just happened. And so I do spend a lot of uh, like the conversation is okay. What happened? How do I feel about it? objectively, is that feeling warranted? How else could I feel? What's the worst that could have happened? If that happened, how would I feel? I just go through this, like, through just trying to give myself perspective. Um, if I told a stranger what happened and how I feel about it, would it seem crazy? And so I, I just have this internal dialogue of trying um, trying to give myself perspective. And that's going, that's every conversation I have. Um, you know, after we get off this recording, I just reflect on, like, you know, what was said, how do I feel about it? Is that logical, you know, um, if I'm having logical thoughts? A lot of times we recognize, like, well, that's not logical, but I feel this way. Why? You know, why do I... Obviously, this is not the case, but I feel like it is. Why is that? There's a conversation I'm having five, six, seven times a
1: day. And so my last question is, if you were to be stripped away from all of your money, resources, and network today, and you had to start all again tomorrow, what are the first three things that you would do and why?
2: Oh, man. There's a... Uh, this is the beautiful thing about stoicism. These are actually the things that you think about is what would I do without my stuff? The first one is I would take time. You know, I'm typically a, a fast action taker, but uh, there's they're a saying, never make a decision while you're in a valley. So if everything disappeared tomorrow, I'd probably be in a little bit of a valley, you know? Um, I would take time to give myself perspective. First of all, like, you know, it's not that bad. I've been homeless before most of my life. But it's not that bad. Um, and then when I felt like I was no longer in a valley, like I was kind of on level ground, um, I would probably, this is what I do every time I'm, I'm in a rut, right? I would probably figure out who I could help right now when I don't know what to do. I just serve people. Um. So number two is I would just serve people, and then number three, which is the thing none of us want to do, and I, you know, I, I try to get better about it. I would seek counsel, and I would. It's it's when, when entrepreneurs, when people like high performers, when we're in a valley that's when we disappear, right? We, we don't talk to anybody, we don't reach out to our friends because you know we're not posting screenshots of our awesome life. Uh, but the most important thing is when, when, when we're down, that is a time where we need to not disappear because most of us have this, you know, you both know Steve Sims um, and, and this network of people. So I would get on level ground first, I would serve people second, how can I help you? And third, uh, I would start reaching out to the people in my network that I know will have sound counsel, and frankly, depending on like if I was in a financial crunch or whatever, um, they would have opportunity they would at least say, hey, look, I got somebody that'll pay you this much to do this thing or whatever. Um, but that, that's the third thing is I would resist the, the need to like be by myself. and cause you don't want to tell anybody when stuff sucks. You want to pretend like everything's great all the time because you're a great marketer. And like, I, I would resist that urge and just start reaching out to people and telling them what's going on.
1: Nick, I appreciate you being on the show. For the people that want to follow you or keep up with you do or even potentially get in touch to speak to you regarding um, working with you with Velocity Method, where is the best place to find you?
2: Uh, if you just want to follow along with me and, and what, what's going on, and I got new puppies. Husky half husky half wolf. Uh, my Instagram is Nick NIC Peterson twenty three. N um, I C Peterson twenty three. And if you're interested in the Velocity Method, uh, you could hit velocityclass.com, And it's just a quick on demand training. Like it doesn't make you wait like a fake webinar or anything. It just it just tells you what, what the Velocity Method is. And then there's an the opportunity to hop on a call if you want to hop on a call. Um, but uh, I would definitely go follow the Instagrams. I have the most beautiful puppies on the planet. Amazing.
1: I'll have I'll have all your stuff in the description. Nick, I appreciate being here. Bye, right, man. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks, so Thanks for tuning in again to today's episode. Whenever you are ready, the best way that Chris can help you is through his exclusive Facebook Marketing Mastermind group, where you and a community of like-minded individuals can ask your questions and share the answers. You will also find exclusive content that Chris will regularly share to the group that is only available to group members. Join now at locate852.com/fb. The link is also in the description.